What it is, what it do, you tune into the Jose Morales podcast. I'm your host, Jose Morales, and we're back in the ring, back in a solo episode. This episode, I'm going to be by myself. I'm going to be talking about a lot of things, my future plans, some things that I want to do with boxing. Uh, same, uh, also, I'm going to talk about what I've been doing. Also, I'm going to talk about some parenting things that I've been doing with my son. Uh, I guarantee you, you're going to get inspired with this episode. And it's also going to hit home with a lot of different things. And especially if you're a parent. So this is an episode you're not going to want to miss out. Guarantee you. Um, I put I put a lot. I put my heart into this um, when I thought about this one. And I thought about it a lot. And I'm going to share some things that are going to be good for you guys. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to appreciate it. But before I get into that, I want to talk to you guys about the past episodes. I want to give a shout out to DP for coming on and also to Missy, Missy for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed those last two episodes, episode 29 and 30. It's been actually a few weeks, I think a couple weeks since I've been back on. I've been doing a lot of different things during those few times. One of them um, is this webinar that I'm working on that I'm going to talk about a little bit more in a little bit, but I've been doing this, this webinar and I was recording daily for long hours. And to be honest, I didn't really want to do a podcast um, and be on a camera again and be recording because I was tired of recording. It took the fun away from the podcasting. And I, and I didn't want to bring uh, a half-ass episode to you guys or something that I just did not feel. I hate doing that. I've actually done, I've done an episode like that where I re-recorded it just because I wasn't feeling it. And I don't want to bring that to you guys. And that is why I've been MIA. So I'm going to talk about those things that I've been doing. Also, I had a couple of uh, family events uh, that cop, uh, popped off. First one is my cousin, which we grew up together. He was like my brother, my cousin, Ulises Morales. He, uh, he got married this, this past weekend. And him and Lily had a beautiful wedding. Uh, it's in a small town called San Juan Bautista is by uh, Salinas, it's like 20 minutes out of Salinas, Monterey area. Beautiful town, it was in a mission, a beautiful venue, beautiful wedding, beautiful families. Uh, I had a great time at the wedding, I enjoyed myself very much. Um, so shout out to the newlyweds on their, on their marriage. And then I also had my son compete his first boxing fight, which I'm gonna share in this episode how that went down and go over the details of the whole thing. But I also had a down, uh, a, a negative happen. One of my close friends growing up, uh, Luis Martinez Quique uh, passed away a week ago. And, and it, it was, it was a lot harder than I expected it to be. I mean, I didn't, first of all, I didn't expect him to pass, pass away so early. He's my age. He's actually a couple years older than me, young, very young. And uh, when I found out, it just hit me out of nowhere. Um, the reason why it was so hard to, to you know, to, to take that is because he was a boxer that I really looked up to when I started. When I started boxing, he had already been boxing a few years. He had a whole lot more experience than me. He already competed at a national, a national level. He was competing at the highest level in boxing, in the amateur level. 
And for me, it was very inspiring. Uh, we trained together. I had to, I, I had the pleasure to be with him side by side. Um, and and just what he meant to me as a, in my boxing career was huge. I don't think without him, I don't think I would have pushed as hard. And I don't think I would have wanted to be at, he gave me something to look to wanting to be. Like I really wanted to be better than him. I really wanted to be like him. And just to know someone like him uh, lost his life it, and, and, and all the memories, uh, just uh, going to his house, running together, training together, uh, going out together. We would, we would go out clubbing, we would go out parties, we would hang out. We, I mean, we were real close during our teenage years. We grew apart uh, in our adult years, not because, you know, adult life happened. You know, he had his kid, I had my kid, my wife, work, you know, but I don't know, it just hit me a lot harder. So, so rest in peace to him. Shout out to his family, Andres, mom, everybody, his daughter, dad. I hope everybody is good. And um, just, just uh, my prayers are with him. Just stay strong. And now uh, I'm gonna talk about my son. I'm gonna talk about his, his journey. And I, and I know you guys heard me talk about him in the past. If you guys follow me on, um, follow me on Instagram, you, you've heard this, the whole situation of how he does not like boxing at all. I've put him in a lot of different situations with boxing just because I have a certain philosophy of why this is good for him. Some parents may agree with me, some may not, uh, but that's the beauty of being a parent. I mean, you get, to, you get to raise your kid how you want and regardless if it's right or wrong to anybody else, it may be right to you. Uh, I am going to share with you what I think, and then from there, you guys can think, you can grab whatever you think from there is good and apply it in your personal life. I uh, feel like with my son, I, um, he, him being a boy, uh, I want to prepare him to be a man when he becomes a man. I want to prepare him to be alone, independent, without depending on anybody. I want to prepare him for real life world that mom and dad are not always going to be there. His brother is not always going to be there. His friends are not always going to be there. And no better way to do that than boxing. Boxing is the, you're alone. Anything you do gets exposed. And I, and that's why I told him, I really want him to experience. I told him 10 fights. I also told him, you know, you win one fight and it's a wrap. Uh, I think I'm going to stick with the 10 fights because I really want him to really suck it all in. Regardless, I don't care what what his turnout record is at the end, what, it, what his end out record is, but I really want him to experience losing, winning, working hard for something and accomplishing something. And I'm going to I'm going to share with you guys how this fight went and kind of dive into how everything played out. Um, at the very beginning, I was putting him in with guys that were nationally champion, national champions already, and he was very new. Did not go well. And he, he toughened it out, though. He was crying. I think I shared the story once before where he, he, he sparred with a kid. He didn't, he didn't do too good towards round two or three. I, I asked him, I'm like, do you want me to take him out? He said, no. He said, no, leave me in here. And he pushed through it. 
Um, from there, we kind of kept working. And the way I handled this with him, I tell him, at home, I'm not going to push you to do something. At the gym, I can push you because I'm your coach at the gym. But at home, if you, you want to practice and you're going to do more, you need to do it because you want to do it. Dad is not going to wake you up and tell you to run and tell you to train. It needs to come from within you. You need to want to do it. So when we come to train and he had a couple hard days or good days or whatever it is that happened, I, on the drive home, I would explain to him, I expect you to work on this. If, if this is what's going on, you need to work on this if you want to get better, if you want a different result. So if you keep boxing and when you're competing or when you're sparring, you keep getting hit with the same right hand over and over, over and over. You keep getting hit over and over. There's something you're doing that is causing that right hand to land, and there's something you're not doing that's causing you not to change from you getting hit with that right hand. So I explained it to him like that, that if you need to, if you want to change that, you need to change something in your routine, in your training session, in the way you train. If you don't change nothing, the outcome is going to be the same. So the first week, I show up to the house, and Saturday morning or Sunday morning when there's time, free time for him to chain, train, he's still laying in bed or he's, he's playing games or whatever it is that he's doing. One of the things he does, is he handles his chores in the morning. He does a great job with that, but he never invests time in his boxing. So then when he was playing, I would, I would look at him, I'm like, oh, just playing, huh? So you're not gonna, I'm like, I would just walk by him like, I guess getting hit by that right hand felt good. I guess doing that just felt good. You don't wanna change nothing. And I, all I did there was just plant the seed. I just planted the seed that I just reminded him that if you don't change this, nothing's gonna change. So the next day, the next time he sparred, the next time he trained, he's getting hit with that right hand again, pop, getting hit with that right hand. And then he's getting frustrated and he's getting angry. I conversate with him. I was like, look, the same mistake that you made last week, you're making this week. And you know why nothing changed? Is because you changed nothing. Remember when I walked by you and you were playing your games instead of practicing your boxing? I'm like, it wouldn't take you, it, you wouldn't get backed up by training for 30 minutes, an hour. But the problem is you want dad to grab you, wake you up and get you to train. That's not dad's responsibility. That's not coach's responsibility. That's not mom's responsibility. That is your responsibility because the one that's getting his ass kicked is you, not me. You should not want to get beat up. So then the next week, uh, the next Saturday that came by, Sunday that came by, guess what he was doing? On his own, he was finally practicing. But this all came from with him. And the way this happened is him experiencing adversity, him experiencing adversity for the second time after not fixing nothing, and him finally saying, you know what? I think dad is right. I got to fix something. And this is the difference when you protect your kids versus when you let them fall on their face. Let them experience it because that fall, that adversity, that pain is when it get, that's what's gonna get them to wake up and not wanna do it again. You know, when you cut your finger or you do something and you're like, oh shit, I'm not doing that again. That shit hurt last time. We need to let them fall and experience it. And this is why I tell my wife, I want him to box at eight years old because at eight years old, there's nothing another eight year old can do to him to seriously hurt him. The only thing that's gonna hurt him is his pride and is gonna make him wake up and is gonna make him teary up 
get teary-eyed and make him cry and it's gonna make him angry, but that's all it's gonna do. It's nothing that's gonna cause any serious injury where it's um, health-related. And this is why I have him boxing at eight years old. Because I want him to learn this stuff. This stuff is what boxing is gonna teach you. So then he went on, his training went great. Uh, he was busting his ass. He did really, really good during his training. He improved a lot. He was boxing really good kids and he was holding his own. One time, I gotta share this story. He was sparring this kid, again, nationally ranked, really good kid. And my son was not doing what he was supposed to be doing. I told him, you gotta let your hands go. You gotta throw. He was so scared that he was not throwing, but he was scared because he was intimidated of how good this guy was. And he was intimidated about how fast and how strong and how quick and everything this guy was. I'm like, well, guess what's gonna make him stronger, faster and hit harder? The fact that you're not doing nothing, you're not throwing. Of course he's gonna look better. And we went round after round after round. I'm like, look, dude, I'm not stopping you until you throw your punches. I'm like, until you show me you're doing something, then we're gonna stop. And we literally went over and over and over and over until he finally woke up and he started letting his hands go. And then at the end, when he started let, finally letting his hands go, he started finally seeing what he was capable of doing. And, he, and when he left, when we drove home, on the drive home that day, he finally was like, you know, dad, thank you for not taking me out. He said that, thank you for not taking me out. And it shocked me because this is an eight-year-old kid telling me that. You know, eight-year-old kid telling me, thank you for not taking him out. Um, and I asked him why, he's like, because I really needed a push. Plain and simple. And these conversations we're having, I'm starting to get it like a little, okay. And uh, come fight day, I gotta share the story. I promised him I will never bring it up again, but I gotta share it with you guys because I think it's a big, 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 big bonus to all this. Uh, those that follow me on Instagram, another thing that I do with my kids is I have them do chores. And his chores are simple, make his bed, um, uh, clean the, his little playroom, um, little things like that. And he gets paid like a dollar for each thing on the, on the daily. Then he's gotta clean the bathroom. And then he's gotta do different things. The bathroom he's gotta clean once a week. And, and, all, and he's gotta read in Spanish. He's got, and all these things that he does, when he does them, he goes up to his, his little calendar, he marks them off at the end of the week, I pay him for them. I pay him for everything he did. Um, and why I do this, the reason why I do this is because he's responsible to, when we go to the store, if he wants to buy a toy, dad does not buy him. I don't buy him shit. The only thing I buy him is things like school supplies, clothes, food, and his house. I mean, where I pay for all that. But anything that he wants, like a toy, like a game, uh, anything that is a want, not a need, he covers it. And I started doing this for both him and Weddle, my four-year-old. Both my four-year-old and my eight-year-old both do this. One, it shows them responsibility. They, they have to handle their chores. And another thing is they learn to handle money. Basic paying this, paying that, and um, saving and stuff like that. So this all comes with different things. I mean, some people can agree with this, some people cannot. One thing that happened is my son um, the day of his fight, I walk in all pumped up. You know, I, I like getting your energy up. So when I walk into his room, I walk in there and I'm ready to be like, let's go, come on, it's fight day, get him all pumped up. When I walk in there, I open the door. And when I open the door, 
he kind of grabs something, he like hides whatever he was doing. He's like, like, like he was very suspicious. So I looked at him and I was like, huh? I was like, what do you have there? Like, why'd you do that? And he didn't say nothing. He was just looking at me. So then I went over there, I lifted up his hands and I grabbed what was underneath. And when, when I grabbed what was underneath, he had a $100 bill and a $50 bill. Right away, I knew that was in his day. No way he's got a $100 bill by, by doing chores that are a dollar. I'm like, wait, you got a hundred and a fifty. So I asked him and he just gave me this eyes. Like he was just like, oh shit. I'm like, where'd you get this money from? And he just started crying. I'm like, where did you get this money from? And he, he admitted to me that he took it from my wallet. And I always leave my wallet in the front. Like I, I'm, I never hide my wallet. I, if I can't trust my family and my kids with my money, then who am I raising? You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I don't hide my wallet. I don't hide none of that. I leave it in the front. And he took it from my wallet. And I honestly wanted to beat the shit out of him. And I wanted to yell at him. And I wanted to be really, really hard on him. But it was his fight day. That was the day he fought. I didn't want to kill his spirits right before he entered the ring where he was feeling like shit. I did not want to do that to him. So I told him, thank you for giving me the money back. I'm like, we're going to talk about this tomorrow. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. He said, all right. So then it's fight day. Uh, we're, we're driving home. I didn't tell my wife yet. I didn't tell nobody. I was holding it inside. I really want, like I said, I was, I was angered by this. And this is the things that's bad about having money involved now because now you your kid is gonna experiment with all these things. But again, these are things that he's experimenting with it at eight years old. I'd rather him, me, be able to find out that, hey, you know, he stole at eight years old and, and he went through this eight years old versus at 17, 18 years old where he does not listen to you or he thinks he's too cool or he does something bigger where he gets in trouble. Like what if he steals something a lot bigger away from your house. Like him stealing from me, I'm not gonna put him in, I'm not, I'm not gonna put him in juvenile hall or nothing like that versus at 17, 15, 14, something like that could happen. You know what I'm saying? And I get to experience this with him now. So that's why I'm happy that it happened with him at this age versus it happening at a later age. So then we go to fight, weigh-ins, everything. And he was super cool, super cool. I was, no joke, very, very impressed with the way he handled himself. I did not expect, expect to see him handle himself that way. He carried himself very calm. He chilled. He, he was super chill in the back. He was never once showed he was nervous. He was nervous. He told me he was a little nervous, but he was super excited. He was, he was super good. I was impressed. And uh, when he went to fight, he did amazing. He did really, really, really good. He lost the fight. But honestly, at eight years old, when you got kids just throwing like crazy, it's very hard to judge. Um, um, I still think he, it was uh, the guy, the kid he fought the first round definitely won. I think it was good though. He did really, really good. The fight was great. Um, when the fight was over, on the way home, and then uh, when we got home and the fight was over, I, uh, I, I was like, should I tell him now? And should I tell my wife now? Or should I wait till tomorrow? Because I didn't want to kill his spirits. He was all happy. I'm like, you know what? I took him in and out because he wanted to eat in and out. 
I'm like, this is the time. This is when I'm going to do it. So I brought it up to my wife. I told him what he did. I told him. And then I explained to him like this. I'm like, there's good guys and bad guys. And to good guys, good things happen. To bad guys, bad things happen. I'm like, stealing is part of bad guys. And, and, probably, and on top of that, stealing is probably the worst out of all of them. I mean, there's no such thing as being a good thing, bad guy. But stealing is like, it's, it's just, it's probably the lowest of the criminal thing. Like, I, why are you doing that? I'm like, don't do, don't do anything bad. Because the more things, the bad guy attracts bad things. And I'm like, you probably, I'm like, you know why you lost that fight? Because you did something bad. You have bad things coming your way because you're doing bad things. I'm like, you do good things, good things happen to you. I'm like, on top of that, think about mom and dad. I'm like, because honestly, I wanted to kick the shit out of them. I'm like, I want to be, I wanted to, I wanted to spank them. I wanted to beat his ass. But I wanted to physically discipline him because that was, 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 that's what I thought he needed. At the end of all this, I'm so happy I handled this situation the way I did. I did not go that way. I did not discipline him. I talked to him and I had him, ex I had him feel the way I felt. I'm like, look, mom and dad, we do all these things for you every day. We take you here, we take you there. I'm like, I give you this money weekly. I'm like, I don't have to do that. I do that because I want you to learn this. I'm, I'm investing all this in you because I want you to be somebody when you're older. I'm like, we do this because we love you. I'm like, if you love us, every time something bad is crossing your mind, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or doing something bad, think about how bad you're gonna hurt mom and dad. How bad you're gonna hurt us. Because if you love us, you're not gonna do that because you're gonna hurt us. I'm like, if you really love mom and dad like you say you do, you won't do those things. And by this time, he's just crying. He's just crying, crying. And you could tell he's crying with emotion. He's not crying because he's scared or he's not crying because he doesn't want to get in trouble. He's crying because he really feels the pain that he loves us. And then I told him, look, I'll never bring this up ever again. We'll never talk about this ever again, but you have to promise me that you will never do anything like that ever again. You never do that ever again, we'll forget about this forever. And he said, thank you. He said, yeah, I promise you that I'll never, I'll never ever again do that again. And I said, all right, thanks. We forgot about it. And that whole thing, like the, the, whole, the whole story with that is, you have to remind your kids of who are they gonna hurt when they do things? Who are they gonna hurt? And also another thing that helps is who, who are they? Who they represent? Who are they and what they represent? For example, with my son, I, I, I talked both to Wero and Alonso and I told them, one day we were on our way to take the recycles back because Alonso recycles his uh, cans and uh, glass, plastic, he recycles all of them and he gets his extra cash there. And one day, this is like a week ago, we were driving up to get it, re uh, to turn it, to sell his recycles. And on the way there, I told them, because they were talking in English to each other. I'm like, look, you guys can practice English everywhere else, but at home with each other, you guys gotta practice Spanish. With mom and dad, we speak Spanish. Speak English everywhere else, but here you have to keep your Spanish. And I told them, and I explained to them, I'm like, look, you cannot be Mexican and not speak Spanish. I'm like, imagine being American and not speaking English. What kind of American is that? Are you an Asian American? Like what kind of fucking American doesn't speak English? I'm like, you can't be Mexican and forget who you are. If you're Mexican, you have to speak Spanish. That's our native tongue. 
And um, and as soon as we get to the to the recycling place, it was a it was two Mexican dudes running the thing. The first thing they say to them is, "Do these kids speak Spanish? Are they or are they like all the other kids that do not speak Spanish?" He's like, "Because now all the Mexican kids don't want to speak Spanish." And instantly, I look at them. I'm like, "What did I just tell you?" And they just start. They were just like. And they, I had them introduce themselves in Spanish and they were talking. And then when I left, I told them, this is very, very important. And there's a lot of reasons why it's important to me. And I'll give you a couple of them. The first one is for me, speaking Spanish opened doors for me. Opened doors that I probably wouldn't have had if I didn't speak Spanish. And it, and it helped me grow so much more. And it's two markets that I'm reaching versus just one. That's one. So financially and business-wise and life-wise is huge. Second one, and this just goes to everybody in general, not just Mexicans or Spanish speakers. If you do not know who you are and what you represent, your hustle does not match your lifestyle. Like it's not gonna match. Your hustle is elevated when you know who you represent, where you come from. And what I did on the drive home I put this song by Los Tigres del Norte, it's called La Jaula de Oro, which what that means is a golden cage. And the whole song talks about a guy bringing his family over from Mexico. He's been here, he has been in Mexico. He's been in the US for 10 years. He lives here undocumented still. His kids no longer speak English to him. He can no longer go visit his home, which is Mexico, see his family and see that because he's stuck here. He makes good money, he's living a good life, but he's stuck in a cage. The cage is a golden cage, it's a gold cage, but, because it's a great lifestyle, great everything, but it's still a cage, he can't leave. And there's a part in that song where he talks to his kid and his kids talk to him in English and he talks about how he can't even talk to his kids no more because his kids forgot the native tongue. And I played this song to my son and I played it to him in the car. Uh, I played him to, uh, yeah, both of them were in the car. And Weto was still too young to understand, so Weto was just sitting there like, okay, I gotta, I gotta speak Spanish. But my older one, the eight-year-old, I explained to him, I'm like, you have no idea how hard it is to get you here. We, mom and dad almost died crossing the border to get here. Your grandmas brought us here when we were kids to be here for better life for us so that you can have a, all, all your toys, so you can get paid weekly, so you can have your own room, so you can go to a private school, so you can box, so you can do this. All these things are things that your grandparents didn't have. These are all things that they didn't able to have. And we did this to sacrifice to you. And we brought you here. And you can't come here and forget about all that. If you forget about all that, you're gonna forget the reason why you have to do something with your life. And as I'm explaining to him, explaining all this to him, he starts getting out teary and he's like, wow, dad, I didn't know that. And, and he just said, he said, he just said, yes, I, I will, I will never forget where I come from and all that. And he just said, I love you. But again, it was a genuine emotion. And these are all things that I was able to communicate with him with emotion. And those that know sales and know anything is stories sell facts tell. So I can, I can discipline you. I can do different things like that. And that's only going to get you to act out or get angry and create a tension between us. But if I get you to emotionally connect with me and know where I'm coming from, and I know where you're coming from, 
we're going to understand each other a lot more and you're going to do things to not hurt one another. We're going to do things to better each other because we love each other. And planting these seeds in your kids when they're young, when they're four, when they're eight, go a long ways. And this is where I think we should all do is you got to explain to your kids your struggles, your hustles you have done and sacrifices you made for your kids and your parents made for you so that you can make this life for them that they now are living. And by doing that, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that he's never gonna, uh, he's not gonna lose his Spanish because I don't know, he's still young. He probably will, he probably can't, but maybe he won't because in the back of his head, he's gonna remember what I told him that day in the truck. Another thing, you guys are probably like, man, that's some deep ass shit you're telling your kids. Yes, but kids listen and learn through stories, through stories, songs. If you pay attention, kindergarten, your ABCs is a song, things on TV and everything, books they read, it's all a story. So when you share things through stories with them, like your story, your parents' story, and you pass things out in stories to them versus in discipline and hitting them, they learn a whole lot more. Your point will get across. Now let's talk about the webinar. Uh, kind of shift, shift gears right quick. Uh, the webinar is the one I told you guys that I, was, that I was working on and this is why I haven't been doing the podcast. The webinar that I am doing, that I finished, I'm actually gonna launch here soon, is focused on helping boxing coaches become business owners versus coaches having full-time jobs or coaches running a gym, but their overhead and their stress is so high. Helping them create profits and helping them create a system where they can separate and do things where they can help boxers travel and this and that, and I have to worry about who's gonna cover what, and I have to worry about money and jobs, and I gotta work this and I gotta do that. I feel like I've done something here that no one has done, and I'm positive no one has done what I have done anywhere. Guarantee you, we are the only boxing gym that does what we do and how we do it. And it would be selfish of me to hold all this in and not share it with everybody else. Um, I've had people tell me, well, why are you going to train your competition? You know, it's your competition. These are people you compete with. Uh, it, is a gym in New York really my competition? Yes and no. Uh, Member-wise, probably not. But when we go to nationals and things like that, yes, they're my competition. Because the less people go to nationals, the less people I have to compete with, my chances of, of, of winning are higher. If, the, if a, a lot of people go, my chances of winning is a lot less. So yes, there are competitions. So why am I gonna help them grow and get better? I feel like boxing needs this. I feel like this is what the community needs. Uh, boxing, a boxing gym is like a church. It's, it's like a, um, best way to describe it is, is we just hit, diff we hit different demographics. You know, the church, you probably get older people or younger. This, you, this, you're reaching people, athletes, people that want to lose weight and you in a way you're, you're, you're kind of slowly guiding them into evolving and changing, uh, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually. And I think we need more of this. We need a lot more of this in, those, in the world, not just in Roseville.
And for me to be selfish and not share that, I'd, I'll feel like I'll be stealing from the world and not being able to provide that. And I want to be able to help them with that. And then, you know, you guys are going to laugh at this. I, when, I was, when I was a teenager, I think I was like 14 years old, and, and people found out that I boxed at school and stuff like that. And the way that I found out I was boxing, I always kept it myself. I never really told people I boxed because people act weird when they know you box. As I'm talking about teenagers act weird when they think when they find out you box. So I always kept it myself. My coach always said, don't tell nobody. Uh, I was on TV once and my health teacher, freshman year, saw me on TV and she told me in front of the whole class, oh, Jose, I didn't know you box. I saw you on TV. So then the whole fucking class knew. And then from there, more and more people found out I boxed at school. I had one person tell me, and, and, and it's weird how comments like this stick with me, and they always like just stick in my head and I can never get them out. But this one stuck with me. I had someone tell me, why you wanna box? Boxing is corrupt, boxing is dying, UFC is taking over. And hearing those words that boxing is dying and that UFC is taking over always inspired me and motivated me. I always wanted to prove that boxing is not dying and boxing is not going over. And I think the point is proven already. I mean, boxing is, is great. I mean, it's doing great, but I know it can do so much better. And to me, I'm using, almost, I'm using that comment as extra fuel to want to even do it even more. I already have plenty of reasons to want to do it, but that just gives me an extra reason. And, and honestly, I think that's a good tip for you guys is grab things that will fuel you. Those things, those comments, little things like that, grab them. I don't know, whatever it may be. It may be a, a friend's conversation. It may be whatever, your parents, whatever. But you want to hold on to those things. So hard days or days that you feel lazy or you want to sleep in or you don't want to work towards your goal, you got to remember what they said to you. And that, that comment or whatever it is that they said to you, that should be the reason. Or that should give you the extra punch to be like, man, fuck that. You know, I'm going to do it and get up and, and work towards your goals. So I would say for sure, hold on to a couple of those. And then the last thing that I'm working on, I'm not gonna go into too much into detail, but it's also boxing related. Um, it's just completely revamping boxing as a whole from the professional level to, to the amateur level, just completely. I feel like boxing is the most popular, most profitable sport without it having any actually no, no actual structure or or lo longevity somebody looking over looking for the longevity in the sport boxing doesn't have that what i mean by that is imagine you see a, a business and that business that you're seeing does great financially it makes great money it kills it every month every year it just makes great money but the system and the structure and the way it's ran and the business and the employees and everything is just shit. What does that tell you about the business? That tells you that the business has a great fucking product. If the staff sucks, the structure sucks, everything about it sucks, but the product is good and the product alone is giving you this amount of profit and is producing good financial numbers, that means the product is good. That is exactly what boxing is like right now. Boxing brings up great numbers, makes great money, but is run by shitty people. And there's no, no, no one looking out, no structure, nothing setting up. And no one's looking out for the fighters, for the boxers, make sure they're good, not only during fighting, but after they're done fighting. 
There's none of that being handled. And if there was, I believe this is what will make boxing the number one sport in the world. And I believe this is what will make this world change and it will change completely from a whole. When you get a whole bunch of boxing gyms that are like churches, making impact in people's lives and getting people to change. Because boxing is the best way to com uh, explain boxing. Boxing is like having a mirror in front of you. And this mirror in front of you literally exposes everything about you, regardless if it's good or bad. If you lack uh, confidence, if you're overconfident, if you're athletic, if you're whatever it is that you have, all these characteristics in you, this mirror that you're looking at exposes it. And then it's up to you to decide what you're gonna do. Are you gonna face those challenges? Are you gonna hide from those challenges? Or are you gonna quit and just always live with these challenges? And that's honestly the common one. People will quit on the challenge that they see. Like they see that they lack confidence or they lack, um, they're not athletic or they lack whatever it is that they lack. I mean, there's a discipline or consistency. They lack this, they lack that. And the, the most common one is consistency and discipline. When people notice that they lack that, you know what happens? They turn the cheek and they go do something else. And suddenly they have a list of things that they, that they can't, that, that's stopping them from coming to face that fear. But they live with that fear for the rest of their life. Now that's always there. Only because you're not boxing no more doesn't mean you don't lack consistency and discipline no more. That discipline and consistency is still there, except you're not being forced to face it. Boxing forces you to face it. And those that face it and fight it every day, those are the people that change and those are the people that do something great outside of boxing and change their lives for the better because they overcame and maybe learned to deal with it because there's some things you'll never overcome, but you have to learn to deal with them and know how to handle them when you get triggered and when you get this and that. And that's the beauty of boxing. It helps you face it. And that's why I feel like focusing on, on making boxing as a whole something where people are looking forward to doing. Basketball, NFL, NBA, and all this, kids look forward to doing it. Why? Because they watch TV, they see Curry on TV, they see the all-star game, they see all this stuff that's cool. With boxing, they see that on TV, but it's the amount of people that do that is a lot less because it's not as... Um, gl glamorized. There's, it's, it's just a fight, the way you walk out, da, 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 but there's not the all-star game. There's not the Hall of Fame. There's not this and that. There's not a, a, a community like the NBA where all the players hang out together and they go do this. It just looks a lot cooler and there's no, nothing at school they can compete with. There, there's not a, you know, there's a basketball team. There's not a boxing team. So it's a lot more lonely. If we were able to make boxing a lot more exciting for more people to do it, we will change and reach a whole lot more people. And this is why, this is what, this is my goal. This is where I thrive on every day. And the reason why I'm like this, um, I didn't know this about me, but I actually went to therapy I had therapy for a while for my traumas. I, I don't, I, honestly, I don't even know if a lot of people know this about me. For my childhood trauma, uh, I had to face and understand a lot of things about myself that I did not know. And, and 
In order to face it and understand it and know how to deal with things, you have to understand what's going on with your mind and with yourself. And when you understand these traumas, um, you learn, you get to deal with them and you understand how to deal with them a lot better. And when I was in therapy, one of the things that I found out and learned about myself is that I had this thing that I had to make sure people liked me. Weird as shit. If I felt like someone didn't like me, it, re it brought me back to my childhood where I was unloved and, and looked down upon and I was just unwanted. And I never wanted to feel that again. So I always, always out of going out of my way to please people, bending, bending, bending over backwards to do things or going out of my ways or because I was so worried of going back to that childhood of Jose. And one thing I learned through therapy is all these things that happen to you, you want to look at them that they're happening for you, not happening to you. So uh, the common thing that gets it stuck in our head is when something bad happened to us, like we get a flat tire, we lose our job, we get whatever it is that happened, we get abused as kids, we get in this petty like, oh, but all oh, this happened to me and oh, but this is going on like a victim mentality. Instead of using it as fuel, like this happened to me and this is how I know this is not gonna stop me because if this couldn't stop me, this is definitely not gonna stop me. It's just a simple switch of the way you're approaching negative situations and using those negative situations as positive reinforcements for your mindset to make your mindset that much stronger and your will that much harder to break. And this is exactly what helped me uh, during the phase when I was down on myself and all that, when I finally made the switch of this is happening for me, not to me, and accepted all these things and use all that as fuel uh, being undocumented, being all this and all that, not having a dad and all this. I use all that as extra motivation for those days that I want to get it. I didn't want to get up. I'm like, oh, hell no, I could get this shit done. Oh, hell yeah, I could do this. That didn't break me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to prove to people that undocumented people could do so much and we could do that. All that was extra fuel for me. And that is the lesson for this episode. If you gain anything from this Remember that anything that happens to you, it is for you, to help you, to motivate you, and to fuel you to accomplish things and go out there and kill your goals. This is it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, any feedback, or anything like that, let me know. If you liked it or you know anyone that can gain from this, share this episode. I will see you guys next week. I hope you guys have a killer Monday and I'm out. <laughs>